Welcome into Time Out with Taylor Brooks, now on the SNY.TV audio network. Happy to be here. Happy to have you listening as always. I am extremely excited about today's guest, Mr. Rashid Wallace. He seriously is just as entertaining as you would imagine. So I guess I feel like most people instantly like instantly think of trash talking when they think of sheet and now granted he holds the record for most technicals in a season so understandably so but I think that this episode shows that persona is really just a layer to him like the on the court antics don't even come close to defining him as a player or a person in the episode, of course, he discusses what exactly is off-limits when it comes to trash-talking because, let's face it, that's a huge part of his game. He also discusses why he believes his Pistons team would absolutely destroy the Warriors. Hint, it has to do with defense. Um, he talks about the amazing work he has done in Flint um, and why people need to change their perspective on the black athlete. So he, he drops a lot of good stuff in this episode. Now listen, it's Sheed. He's unfiltered. It's one of the greatest things about him. So there is some explicit language. Warning. Be sure to subscribe to Time Out with Taylor Rooks on iTunes and SoundCloud by searching Time Out with Taylor Rooks. But for now, here's Dirty 30. Rasheed Wallace in the house. In the place to be. In the place to be. I am so excited to have you on. Happy to have you on in Chapel Hill. Yes. I think that makes Chapel it even thrill. more Chapel Thrill. Oh my gosh, I'm gonna have to hear some of your Chapel yeah. Thrill stories at some point in this podcast. So you were down there playing pickup with the guys. Mm-hmm. Can you still hang? Is the main question. Um, a little bit. I'm not as fast <laughs> as I used to be, but you know, skill wise, mm-hmm. yeah, that's still there. But speed, no, I let them have that. Yeah. Who gives you the the most trouble? All of them. All they're of- young and fast. <laughs> <laughs> moment come where you're kind of like you know what I cannot play the way I used to play well your body lets you know you know you're not (laughs) you're not able to do the dunks or some of the shots or run as fast as you were able to years ago so Mm -hmm. if you gotta if you listen to your body your body will let you know like yo time to wrap it up come on (laughs) but I hear you're still pretty good you can hold your own out there yes yeah Yeah. I can hold my own yeah but that's different than like winning Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> and you guys set it up, what, is it pros and younger, or how does that work? How well, do the teams? the way that we do it, um, if we got enough guys in the gym, we go the pros versus the current team that's here now. Okay. Um, but if it's not enough guys, then we have no problem with mixing it up because it's all learning things for the younger guys. Mm-hmm. Now, it was funny when I was talking to Kendall and I was, you know, asking him all these questions about you when you played here and what your team was like, obviously you, Stackhouse, very mm-hmm. good team. He says, you know, it was one of the teams that was so good but didn't win a championship. Yeah. Do you think about I, that often? I agree. I yeah. agree. We, we were a hell of a team. Um, even my freshman year. Coming back uh, as the champions, with they had Eric Montrose, um, mm-hmm. you know Derek Phelps, Donald Williams. You know they were the main core guys coming back defending the championship. So mm-hmm. I definitely, especially my freshman year, felt as though like, yeah, all right, we going back to back. But we ended up losing um, first round to Boston College, and my sophomore year we made it all the way to the Final Four yeah. and lost by a few points to Arkansas. So 
It was it was a good squad, but mm-hmm. like Kendall said, we came up short. It's right. part of it. But I mean, you got an NBA title, so I yeah. think that uh, it's a yeah. little it's okay. I'm, I'm happy with that. I'm happy. That's a <laughs> good consolation. Yeah. <laughs> now, my question is: When you were in college, were you as big of a trash talker as you were in the league? Oh, gotta be. That's it. it all started <laughs> actually in high school. Um, high school on a schoolyard playing in Philadelphia. You know. You're going to have people talk trash to you. So, hey, you got to give it back. You know, if you just quiet, <laughs> then, you know, nobody's going to respect you. Like, no, I'm, I'm going to give it back to you. No, you can't stop me, chump. And, you know, take yeah. it from there. Who rivaled you as far as trash talking? Who was almost as good of a trash talker as Rasheed Wallace? But you can say KG. In the NBA? Or, or um, college. I, I would say mainly it was more trash talkers in the NBA. I would say early on for me, it was Gary Payton. Really? Um, you know, GP had, he had a mouth like a cell, <laughs> you know, and it was just like, well, dang, man, I like we just playing basketball. But, you know, once I saw how he got into opponents' heads with the trash, all right, well, that's half of the battle. If, if I got you thinking and I got you nervous or scared before the ball is even tossed up, I got you. That's half the battle. Do you think people underestimate like the power of trash talking, the yes. power of really getting into the person's head? Oh, definitely. definitely. Why you and, say that? and you just mentioned KG, he's one of the better guys at getting into that person's head. You know, he m- might give you a headbutt or <laughs> some of this, you know, yeah. pointing your in your forehead, but if I can get under your skin, I got you. I got you minds. I got you. How can you tell that you're going to be able to get under this person's skin? Um, their reactions. You know, if if I'm talking trash to you mm-hmm. and you like, man, F you and you coming back at me. Well, you forgetting to play. Right. You're not involved with the play. I got you. I got you. And then I'm going down the other end. I know what I got to do. Mm-hmm. So you come back down here. Oh, I told you you couldn't <laughs> stop me. And then you messing it up again. I got you. Yeah. And it's little things. Now, you, of course have a record that is almost as legendary as, I mean, like, Wilt Chamberlain 100 points. It's you and your technicals. Mm-hmm. So I read in 2000, 2001, you got 41 texts, which is essentially one every other game. Mm-hmm. How proud are you of that um, I mean, I am and I'm not. Um, yeah. You know, of course, I'm not for the simple fact of I don't want to just be remembered for that. Right. But I also am proud of it because, yo, I'm not going to settle for no cheating stuff. And I'm not going to settle for the favoritism. My thing is, here you have these great players, and they're some of the greatest players in the world. Mm-hmm. Le- you know, your LeBrons, the Kobe's, the Mike Jordans, um, you know, the Steph Curry's. They're great players. Yeah. So why do they need the extra help from the referee? The 13th, 14th, and 15th guy that's coming into the game who's not as known as those stars, they the ones who need the help because they're they aren't as good as <laughs> the high power stars. The high power stars don't need the referee calls. So to me, that's always been a thing, and I always despise referees for that showing favoritism. I ain't with it. So how rampant are superstar calls? Oh, all you gotta do is turn the TV on. Yeah. Are you? Oof. <laughs> Blow on them. Breathe or, and they th- get the call. I'm, I'm thinking of fouling them. They're going to call foul. Yeah. You know, that's how it is now. You can't really touch a guy. You can't really foul a guy. The game is different now from when I played. Mm-hmm. Tell me how. In what ways? Um, just the whole physicality of it. Um, the skill set. Uh, I think now you have more of the younger guys. They think just because I can dunk or I can shoot a three-pointer, boom. Hey, I'm NBA ready. I'm God's gift you to know? the game. But, yeah. Even if you look at the superstars that are playing now, the KDs, the Steph Currys, the LeBrons, you know, the Kyrie Irvins, they aren't just good because of a guy giving talent. 
No, those kids, they work in the gym. that And it shows with their craft that they're in the gym and work in the gym. And a lot of the younger kids, they don't see that. They just see the end result, but they don't see the road travel that people get there to get there. So why do you think that is? As, as much of a tangent as it is, I've talked about this with some people, and they actually say that they think social media plays a big role as to why kids don't work the way that they did maybe when you were playing or mm -hmm. like the rare KDs or LeBrons because people are so used to this instant gratification or yep. used to just showing up small parts of what they're doing and not seeing the big picture. Yep, and it's, it's the highlight tapes, you know, the Instagrams, the mm -hmm. Facebooks, the Twitters, um, the YouTubes, all of that. That's all everyone's looking for. Oh, so-and-so got 50,000 views because he dunked <laughs> on this guy. All right, but what do he do the rest of that game? Right. You know, if if... I want to see how you react when you're going against another elite player mm -hmm. and if you're going against a Joe Schmo. Will it be the same person as far as that offensive guy playing or will you rise to the level of your opponents? So if you're playing Joe Schmo, are you going to have a, a bad game, a terrible game? If you're playing another All-American, all right, I'm going to show up. They They don't know the difference with that. They mm -hmm. don't know that whole camaraderie thing. Like, we could be friends, but I'm going to bust your butt, and I know you're going to come back at me. Yeah. You touched on something that I also think is very interesting, is this idea of everybody being buddy-buddy on teams. Mm -hmm. And I guess I'm interested, back when you were playing, obviously you had friends on other teams, but I feel like it doesn't matter as much as it does now, if that's maybe the right way to say it. Uh, I agree. I agree to the point. Back back then, like I mentioned, it was the whole camaraderie thing. Yes, we are friends, but once we step in between these lines, I'm going at your neck, yo. And I expect you to do the same damn thing. But now it's okay, I wanna I don't wanna go against this superstar every night because he's in my conference. Yeah. So I'm gonna go, I'm gonna be teammates with him and we could kick everybody butt. But that's not always the case. Mm -hmm. You know, you can have that great team, that doesn't mean that you're always gonna win it. Right. So it, it has to play itself out. Either way, it has to play itself out. So how would you adjust trash talking to somebody that you know on a personal level? Does it maybe heighten the trash talk? Oh, yes, for sure. Yeah. For sure, <laughs> definitely. And, and it's, it's never personal. Right. You know, with with trash talking, if you take it personally, if I be like, oh, man, you can't stop me. You trash, dude. You ass. Mm -hmm. And I keep saying it over and over. And if I get under your skin with that, and you take it off the court, and we supposed to be friends. Well, like, damn, like, right? You know, you really taking it personal. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying nothing about your mama, your dad, your kids, your wife. Is that off limits in trash talking? Oh yeah, talking? for sure. Okay, for sure. T to me, trash limits. I mean, trash talking does have its limits. Right. And you know, don't talk about nobody's mama, dad, kids, wife. I'm talking about you. Right. And your and your trash shooting. You can do exactly. <laughs> I ain't talking about nobody else that's came to see you in the stands for right. Thanksgiving. You got the whole family. No, I'm talking about you. Mm -hmm. And that's how it is with trash talk. Did you play better when you were kind of riled up? Always. Always. Yeah. It, 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 it makes the game more fun and, and more lively. Mm -hmm. You know, you got to be antsy. You got to be, you know, be on, on 10, just out there on your toes already, blah, 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 ready and excited and amped. Yeah. And now you touched on this a little bit. And I think that it's a bit of an intriguing topic is, you know, when I told people, you know, I'm so excited I'm going to interview Wishy Wallace today. One of the main things they bring up is how you were in the court, your kind of persona on the court, the trash talking and all that. But sometimes you feel like that has overshadowed how great you were of a player. Mm -hmm. Does that ever worry you? No, 
No. Because I know the teammates that I played with, yeah. um, the fans in the city that I played for, the head coaches that I played for, on every level, high school, college, and professional, never had nothing bad to say about me as yeah. far as being that team player. Being a great teammate. Of course, you know, yeah, it's going to be players and coaches. Like, she, calm the text down. You know, do this, do that with the text. All right, I get that. But outside of that, can't say nothing bad about me as far as being a team player because that's that's what my whole game was based on ever since I was younger. One person can be great, but if you got five people together, you can beat that one person. You know, will it hurt more if you get poked or get punched? Like and that's that. how I try to see the whole game of basketball. Yo, let's come together. I don't look. I don't care about averaging thirty points and doing this, doing that. I could have one point. Six fouls, but if I know them six fouls was crucial. Right. And they help, yeah. And we get the win, I'm riding on that high. You know what I'm saying? I would rather have one or two points and shot terrible and win than have 35 missed three shots and lose. Like, you, you weren't completely consumed with being, like, the guy always, all the time. It was about the team. Yeah, it was always team. That's how I was raised. It's mm-hmm. always team. And how do you adjust to that? I mean, because I feel like good basketball players, they grow up being the star, grow up being the guy. Mm-hmm. I read a crazy stat. I think I wrote it down that, like, in high school, you averaged 16 points and 15 rebounds, but you only played, like, 19 minutes mm-hmm. <laughs> a game, well, which makes it kind year. of exceptional. Mm-hmm. You know, so you were used to being, like, the guy. And so when you get to a place like the league and you say, well, everyone is the guy, mm-hmm. how do you adjust to that? Um, it's a respect level to me, and, and for me it was. Mm-hmm. You know, like, of course, I wasn't the only one who was able to do a 360 dump or make a shot. So you have to respect that other dude. Like, I don't care if... You know, he's a eight, nine-time perennial all-star to, you know, the man that's making 300000 a year. Either way, they step on that court. you got to respect them because they're there for a reason. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not just, uh, well, I'm just here and, and no, don't don't play him. He trash or whatever. But he in the game for a reason. Either he's a good shooter, a good rebounder, or good defender, something. It has to be something that, that, that makes you click with that. And... That whole team game, that was it for me. Mm-hmm. Offense and defense. I think you can get more done. You know, if you had that great defender on top of that, that's what makes that team exceptional. Like we were in Detroit. Like Ben Wallace, he got a couple of defensive player of the year awards, mm-hmm. you know, before we won the championship. Yep. So we all knew, like, man, this nigga's a hell of a fucking defender. Right. Now, on top of that, we all defending, it's only going to make him stand out more and make all of us look good. Right. So it's it's more that, to me, I'm, I'm more concerned about the team game. So do you see, I, I guess, any comparisons between, like, that mid-2000s Pistons team and teams you watch now in the league? Oh, we run through them. <laughs> not even close. Not even close. Not we, even a little we, close. We play defense. But, you know, it's interesting you bring that up because I was reading Mike Brown had said something about the Warriors team comparing you all's defenses. But, I mean, you guys were known as just having an exceptional defense, but he more so was talking about the ability to do everything on defense and that he saw a mirror between your team and theirs. Do you agree? Do you disagree? Um, I could probably agree to a to a certain point. Yeah. But I think there, the Warriors' defensive strategy is 
I'm going to put up more shots than you. Yeah. And if you try to match that, well, you asked out. You know, because they got exceptional shooters. You do. So that's their whole defensive thing. I don't call it good defense if the man came down and he shot a jump shot or shot a three and missed it and the Warriors went back down the other end and scored it. That's not good defense. And that's what happens a lot in this game now. They're not shutting nobody down. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like even though you, you can't really shut a scorer down, you can slow him down, but – now they can't even slow the guys down. It's it's like for instance when LeBron, uh, what was it, game four I think, mm-hmm. or three, one of the two when he had a bad when shooting last game. Last finals or when? Um, oh, this the, past the, yeah, this yeah. past series. Yeah. And and he when had Kyrie a, went off. Yeah. Yeah. He had a terrible game. He had a terrible had like eleven points or something like that. Mm-hmm. Well, it wasn't because of the defense. It was because of him missing shots. And, yeah. You know, trying like they, they live shots. and die by the shots. Yes. Mm-hmm. So the way that we played it, no, we lock him down. Mm-hmm. Like the things that we done in Detroit will never be done again on defense. Yeah. With our NBA record holding seven teams under 70 points, would never be done again. Yeah. That is very impressive. <laughs> that is very I hang, impressive. I hang my head on that one. Yes. That, that is a great stat. But you notice, you know, when we talk about the NBA, people talk about the Cavs. Mm-hmm. They talk about the Warriors. Does the NBA need more parity? Yes. Yes, I think so. And and But why are we all talking about them? Because you got, between the two teams, you got, what, nine all-stars. Yeah. I mean, so shit. You and two of the best them. players in the yeah. world. So mm-hmm. you're going to talk about them. You know? Yeah. But me, personally, I, I like that. There again, that team concept. I like what Milwaukee did. They played together as a mm-hmm. team. You know, um, yes, the Greek freak stood out. But he couldn't have did it without the rest of the guys on that team. So, a little bit of tangent. You came up with Ball Don't Lie. Yep. That is pretty cool. Because everyone says it. But I feel like the like younger generation, they are just saying it. They don't really realize where it came from. No, they don't. Yeah. They don't. But you made a phrase that is going to live in basketball lore forever, probably. <laughs> and it was, but you know what? It comes from trash talking. Yes. Um, See, look where trash talking gets you. <laughs> and, and just being out there on, in the schoolyard growing up in Philly, you know, yeah. that's that's not nothing I came up with. I heard it before back home in Philly growing up. You know, that right. auto lie, that trash-ass jump shot, and this and that. <laughs> that's but it's weird. the truth. That, that ball don't lie. Yeah. And referees hate that, too. So I wanted to talk to you about two things. Um, one being Flint. Because I know how much you do for Flint. I think Kendall was telling me at the end of the month you're going to bring up more water. I think end of June. So tell me about Flint, what it means to you. You wrote an amazing Players Tribune piece on the city, which was was amazing. So I just want to hear a little bit more Um, about you. It's needed. Uh, The the, the city is is still in a debacle. Um, The water is still contaminated three years later. Uh, what's, What's this, May? I want to say within the last six months, six, seven months, I think the city of Flint got about maybe $150, million, $200 million from, you know, different government grants and donations from, you know, wealthy people and all of that. But the city of Flint won't see that money for quite some time. Yeah. And that's the sad thing about it. So why y'all trying to raise y'all money? Why y'all trying to do this and y'all sitting up there on top of the hill? Well, these people still down here struggling. Still don't have water. And it's a smack in the face when the city is forcing, is trying to force people out of their homes for unpaid contaminated water bills. 
Like, come on, give me. Why am I gonna pay for this? You're right. And so, with with the cities trying to say, oh well, you still have to use your facilities, you still have to flush your toilet, and it's like, okay, so. But <laughs> Stop it. I don't have. I can't wash up. I can't cook. Right. You know, I can't do it. Boiling water, boiling lead, lead water, it won't help. Right. And you know, we have the kids up there. Just think, uh, elementary schools. Just think of how many times a day you touch water. Yeah. And think about how much we maybe take the clean water for granted. Yes. You know, you gotta brush your teeth. Yeah. Soon when you when wake you, up. Yeah. Shower, wash your face, morning cup of coffee. Right. They can't Something spills. You got to get what? Like it's you're using water all the time, and I feel like when Flint happened, we didn't really grasp how serious of a situation mm-hmm. it was. But I actually went up there. Snoop Dogg had a charity game, and I was a sideline reporter for it. It was like him, Mo Pete, a whole oh, bunch of people yeah, came. Oh yeah, yeah, I remember it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to to kind of you know raise more awareness for it. I remember in our hotel, we weren't supposed to use the water fountain. Yeah. And that's just something that would have never clicked with me. But the crazy thing, now I'm going to tell you this. It's in the low-income poverty area. Okay. All of Flint's water is not fucked up. It's It's only that. that. I wonder why. (laughs) When when I first heard about it and went up to Flint, Mm -hmm. um, bumped into Mo Pete. He was passing out water, He's great, yeah. Bumped into him. And after we did that for the um, community, you know, we broke bread. So we're talking. And... As we go into the restaurant, the restaurants downtown, oh, our water is fine, you know, mm-hmm. this and that, da 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 da. So, from the restaurant on north, it's fine. From downtown on north, it's fine. But from like this, right outside of downtown, all in this low income area, why is it just the pipes is fucked up right there? Right. You know what I'm saying? Why not the whole city then? Why, why couldn't downtown been affected? Because it's all planned. Mm-hmm. And my book, and, and this is all my opinion, right? For sure. And and it's all planned because they want to get that out of there because Flint is a city that's about to be on the rise. It has yeah. so many uh, uh, what you call it, sister campuses mm-hmm. for a lot of colleges. It's, yeah, it's it's a Chapel Hill, right? Pretty much. And so they're you know? trying to make it more affluent. Yeah, yeah. You got Michigan State. You got University of Michigan. You got Oakland University, which is the local one up there. You got uh, University of Detroit. And they all have little sister satellite campuses in Flint. So now, all right, we need this space. Let's get these people up out of here. It's so crazy for it to be that fucked up in that area. It looks like a third world country. Mm-hmm. But why aren't any of the properties for sale? It's very true. If it's yeah. so fucked up, I'm going to try to get up out of there. As quick as possible, yeah. Right. None of those properties, all those abandoned houses, abandoned lots, haven't seen no for sale signs. Right. At all. You haven't even heard about any property being available up in that area. Mm-hmm. It's just messed up because you wouldn't think about it. Being here in the U.S., it's like a third world country up there. Really? Um, See, I never got to like really go and experience that area. I wish I had. So just- you, you know the average city block, what, like? Let's say the average city block has 20 houses on it. Mm-hmm. Up there, on that block, about three houses are occupied. About five of the houses are condemned. About another six or seven wow. of the houses are just lots. So it's like dead. Yeah. It's, it's just picture. I don't know if you've ever seen any type of uh, media on the riots, the Watts riots mm-hmm. or 
or the riots in Detroit. Yeah. But just picture the aftermath of a riot. But mm. with no fires, no fire. Yeah. Picture the aftermath of a riot. The cars, everybody uh, out of jobs. Just abandonment. Know. Wow. It's horrendous, yo. And awful money. And the governor's still walking out and about. Right. So, and, and there's been some of our youth that passed away. It's just of this so war. sad. Like, and, somebody should be, like, super held accountable. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. For sure. And it, and it's him. Because, to me, you knew about this. And you, but you let it happen. You let it happen. Mm-hmm. You you sent bottle cases of bottled water up to Flint for government workers. That right there is telling that you. That shows I'm you knew, right? Knew mm-hmm. Before it even went public. So, and they was doing that, I think, for maybe about a year, a little over a year before it went public about Flint not having the clean water as lead water. So, what can people do that are listening? What are some things you know they can do to help? Or um, making sure the money they're giving is really going to places that matter? What are some things well, they that's, can do? That's, automatically the biggest thing you know if anybody gives that money donation to any type of organization you don't check really it out know if it's getting there or not yeah i mean i don't mean to knock them but look at the red cross mm-hmm. i mean yeah we don't know if it's really getting there or not them them same kids been living over there in honduras like that forever <laughs> right but red cross been in honduras for yeah what are, years, what are they you know building what yeah they doing? Mm-hmm. so it's the same thing but with me that's why i like to do it personally get my hands on get my hands dirty you know we up there slaying cases on doors you know knocking on people's doors hey water you know we need some baby wipes you know you need little uh, partial baby foods or whatever mm-hmm. hey let's get it that's great you do that and yeah because they need help and and the way that i look at it if the shoe's on the other foot god damn it i would want some help too yeah and i would need help too so we just gotta let the people up there know and the thing about it it's not it's not a racial thing that's that's the part. I it's think, like a class thing, you'd say more so. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. more of a, a lower income. Yeah, um, black, white, uh, you know, Hispanic, some Chinese, all up there, all whoever in that one area. They don't care who you are. They just want just to that you're in that area. Yep. Yeah. Get up out of here. Mm-hmm. And it's sad, yo. It's sad. You wouldn't even think we living in America. And. Going off that just a little bit, a lot of younger athletes listen to this podcast. A lot of younger black athletes listen to this mm-hmm. podcast. And I remember seeing a quote where you're talking about the whole CTC and how people just kind of want you to go along. Well, first explain CTC for those that don't know what it what C- it stands CTC for. CTC <laughs> means cut the check. Yes, yes. Cut the check. And your quotation was mostly just saying, you know, they expect the black athletes to come to the league and just do what they tell you to. Yep. Shut it's up. Like, yeah. We're paying you all this millions of dollars shut up and do what we say just get your ass out there right (laughs) right. but time out i understand i gotta get out there because it's a job but you're not going to talk to me any way you want to because first off i'm a man before i'm a basketball player Mm -hmm. so respect me and a human yeah yeah respect me as that first and everything else falls into its classification so respect me as that man first Mm -hmm. have you seen that improve at all I would say a, a, a little, mm-hmm. a little, but it's it's small steps. Yeah, you know, um, a lot a lot of the progress that's happening isn't visible. Of course, you know we know that the way that the media is negativity, of course, is going to get more shine mm-hmm. and any positive things. But it just don't make no sense 
Yeah. About what's going on up there. Now, I mean, one last thing I wanted to touch on before I got to the Twitter questions is, I don't know if you saw how today LeBron's home in L.A. was vandalized. Oh, wow. Yeah, and no, somebody no. wrote some racial expletives on his house, and he came out in a press conference today and was just saying, you know, racism is something that I have to live with every day, that we all have to live with every day. It's not going away anytime soon. Nope. Um, but I think it's interesting because you'll see some people that almost think that because you're an athlete, you won't experience racism. Like, they <laughs> think that you can, like out make racism out spend it like there you know but it's it's not it a thing worse. about my, right so can you kind of explain why you feel as though it gets worse for the people that think it's about you know your status as a black person more than it is the fact that your skin is black that's yeah, it yeah it's, it's you know people think a lot of people here in america live and die by that dollar right so they they live their life by that their their values are off of that dollar but when you're dealing with high-profile athletes and you know of course all that money is is coming in there it's coming in there and that whole racial everything else is magnified you're gonna get it more yeah. um no matter who you are you could be playing in in any city everybody in that city you playing is not gonna like you yeah. i don't care how good of a player he or she is everybody in that city is not gonna like you and it could come out at any point oh nigga or cracker oh you spick and It'll come out. And is it everybody? No. It's more ignorant people who look at that as a jealousy. Deal with me as a man first before you try to say I'm a bad basketball player or I don't know how to do this, I don't know how to do that. Deal with me as a man first. Mm -hmm. Then we can take it from there. Yeah. But all the side cracking and all the whole racial slurs that I've heard it all. I've heard it all from in a lot of different cities. I heard it in Boston before, but when I went to play for Boston, oh, hey, oh come on hey. down, Rasheed. You are, man. Hey, what's up? Jeez. Oh, that was way back then. Yeah. <laughs> you're different. You're you're not one of them. You're different. No, you know, which which people crazy. love. People love saying you're different. You're not that. Oh, yeah. my gosh. If you're not like that. If there's but... one thing that annoys me more than anything, it is that phrase. Yeah, like, oh, well, my gosh. Then how am I? Right, exactly. You know? And the more importantly, so then how are they? Like, what is the separation of the two, you know? But so do you think, is Boston a little more that way than other places, or do you experience um, it everywhere? No, it's, it's everywhere. It's not, yeah. I, you know, I'm not pointing Boston out. It's right. not just them. It's it's ignorance everywhere in yeah. every city, you know, out there in L.A. and all that. You're going to have people who cross that line, say ignorant things. Um, like the whoever it was that vandalized LeBron's home. Mm -hmm. Yo, they'll cross the line with that. It's yeah. one thing if, okay, you don't have to like the man, but to sit up there and destroy the man's personal things, no, that's going yeah. too far. Just because you don't like him or just because he beat your team, come on, that's that's going too far. And right. that comes from ignorance, which drives racism. Right. I like it. You summed it up very well. Yeah. Well, I'm taking up a lot of your time, so let's get to Twitter oh, questions. And we will figure these out. Okay. Phone's blowing up. People have questions for you, Rashid. <laughs> people of course are talking about your shoes they're like can I get a pair of these <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you're very proud of the shoes by the way alright yeah it's the old school dance. you know <laughs> Nike Airs can't beat them right can't beat them For okay so obviously you finish your career with the Knicks some mm -hmm. people want to know your thoughts on the state of the situation with the Knicks Mellow, Phil what are your thoughts on that wow uh, so much <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's like a daytime soap opera um 
you know, I, I commend Melo though. That's that's my young fella. I yes. love Melo. I commend him for keeping his head with a lot of the vultures that's flying around in and out of that organization. You haven't heard Melo say any negative things or bad things about Phil, Straight class. about the people, mm-hmm. about anything. And that's what I love. Like, Melo, keep keep doing what you're doing, bro. Um, to me, and, and real men, real people, see that over all of the negative BS that's going on. Mm-hmm. And just, it's, it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right for Melo. Just got to keep your head, man. Good. Okay. I like that Melo. He's always so chill during interviews, yeah. answers every question, like... Yep. I commend him for pe- keeping he, his head on with that. He is. He really, really is. Um, people are saying both teams played hard. Yep. <laughs> that was that was a crazy story. <laughs> also, explain why because, it's crazy from your standpoint. <laughs> well, we were we were being bashed by this is when I was in Portland, right? And we were being bashed by a couple of local reporters. So no matter if. We went out and had a good game. You know, they'll trash talk like, oh, well, they lucked up and made some shots or got some stops in the fourth quarter. It was never no credit given to us. Mm-hmm. But yet, here it is, you in our face every day wanting an interview, and you're not even printing what's being said. You want to make up your own stuff to try to sell papers, to try to get out this little town. So I told them, I'm going to stop talking to the certain individuals from the local media who I knew was doing all the trash talking about us. Right. A few other local cats, I, they cool, I answered them. So I just stopped talking to them. These reporters uh, went to the NBA saying that um, I was uncooperative. Um, <laughs> you know, because I think it's, I want to say it's like maybe a half hour or 40 minutes before a game and another half hour, 45 minutes after a game where we have to talk to the media because it's all part of the contract. Right. Well, just here so you don't get fined. Yeah. <laughs> so before the game, I never talked before the game. I was never one to do that. So that was normal. I didn't get fined for that. But after the game, if I don't say nothing, I get fined. If I say how I feel, I get fined. So had a little call one day from the commissioner. You know, we had our talk. So I said, all right, I got something for y'all. So Rashid, how'd you feel about the game tonight? Both teams play hard. And then I just added my rough. This one, Def Comedy Jam was the joint back then. Okay, so I just okay. added my Russ Simmons. Both teams play hard. God bless and good night. <laughs> well, what do you think about the third quarter? Both teams play hard. I never knew the backstory to this. Yeah, that is they, hilarious. They, they never want you to know the backstory. So they, all, they always want you to think that we're ignorant and, oh, we're always the ones. That darn media. Yeah. Aren't we the worst? <laughs> Okay, a couple more. Does the ball ever lie? Mm-hmm. <laughs> sometimes. Oh, sometimes it does. Especially if, if you're playing and you're playing against a guy who you know jump shot is terrible. <laughs> and it go in. Yeah, that ball is lying. That ball lying. <laughs> okay, who would you like to punch in the face of your playing days? None of the players. <laughs> Coaches. Couple coaches, some front office people, some referees, a couple of NBA head office people, but none of the players. You once got a tech for literally staring at a ref. Yep, that I, is crazy. I got a tech in Cleveland for getting fouled. <laughs> These guys, wait, Verjao and and Ilgowskis, 
it was always bad blood between Cleveland and Detroit. So Varejao and Ogalskis fouled me, and all three of us fell, and the ref gave all three of us texts. I'm like, yo, how did I get a yeah, text? Yeah, how did I get mixed up and in this? I got fouled. They came at me trying to hurt me. How I get a text? You started to get texts off just being Rasheed Wallace. Yeah. Yeah. And they see, the thing about it, when you bring light to a situation, people don't like that. Mm-hmm. People don't, and that's what I did. I brought light to a situation when I was in Portland. I was letting them know all oh, referees is cheating, this and that. Everybody looking at she Wallace. Oh, she Wallace crazy. Oh, you militant. This okay. And what happened? It came out. Referees was cheating. Mm-hmm. They tried to say it was one ref, but it wasn't. It's all you. Slow, slowly <laughs> but surely, a couple of other NBA referees fade to black, but. They trying to say it was one ref. It's virtually impossible. Mm-hmm. It's too many games. It's too many bodies for to be dictated by one person. Mm-hmm. So now, and this is a question of my own, and it's not so Odell Beckham Jr. He isn't mm-hmm. necessarily a trash talker. He isn't a trash talker at all. But there is kind of this narrative that sometimes he will get judged just off the fact that he's Odell Beckham Jr. Mm-hmm. Do you see any parallels maybe between by the way people would look at you in the league and how they look at him? Well. It's, it's somewhat it is, somewhat it is, but I, I think the difference would be from a trash talker and a person with confidence. Yeah. Trash talker, if I'm talking trash to you, guess what I can do? I can back up what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. That's not being a trash talker. That's just being confident mm-hmm. about me knowing what I can do. If I'm out there and I know I'm not that much of a good player and I'm still out there, oh, you ain't Oh, we gonna bust all asses. Mm-hmm. Well, now I'm a I'm just a trash talker. Right. I'm looking for confidence. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to build my confidence up. Like, like, oh damn, we play these. Oh man, you know they always like to say when the bully's bothering you, go crazy. Like, ah, ah <laughs> get loud when the bully bothering the yeah. bully will back up. Well, that's how it is with trash talking. Right. You know if you trash talking and that bully's bothering you. And you mm, mm, smack that bully a couple times, guess what? He ain't going to bother you. Right. But if he keep bothering you and you don't do nothing, you don't do nothing, you're going to come with that trash talking, trash talking, trash talking to try to build your confidence up mm-hmm. for that bully. But like I said, if I got you, if I, if I can get you before the game, it's over. It's over. <laughs> okay, a couple more. Favorite current player to watch? Um, A few. I have a few young fellas in the NBA. Um, You know, uh, J.R., Smith, him and Sean, my young fellas. Um, Draymond mm-hmm. Green, been knowing him since about he was in like the eighth, ninth grade. Clay Thompson, I've known him and his family since he was a little boy. Uh, a couple of other guys, Brandon Jennings, that's mm-hmm. my young fella. Andre Drummond, yeah, you know, so it's a lot of a lot of young fellas in the league that I like. I don't necessarily like uh. Um, a particular team that I watch. But you like but if it's on, players. I watch yeah. my young fellas. Do you think your court antics will hold you back from getting Hall of Fame votes? I don't care about the Hall of Fame. Right? I care, to be honest, I care more about being in the Philadelphia Hall of Fame than the NBA Hall of Fame. Really? Mm-hmm. I mean, it just means more to you? It means more to me because it's, that's my people. You know what I'm saying? Down, down there in Philly, where I grew up, where, where my mark was set where my legend was born, that means more to me than making the NBA Hall of Fame. And 
I'm already in the NBA Hall of Fame from when we won with the Pistons. This so, is true. Got your I'm, ring I'm, and I'm, your uh, wrestling belt. Yeah. And <laughs> to get into the Hall of Fame, you got to be a media darling, and that's one I'm not. Right. So and you shouldn't have. You got to look at it. Yeah. And, and I know it's going to be crazy. That's why I'm not worried about it. Never which, by the way, which is why T.O. needs to be in the Hall of Fame. I was just about to say that. <laughs> yes. Oh, trust me. It irked me so bad because I love T.O. And they did that man so wrong. It's yes. only one person's stats better than his, which is Jerry Rice. This man, granted, no, he's never won a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. But damn, come on, his stats. You've yeah. got to get him in there you on his stats You can't overlook alone. those, yeah. for sure. But I agree. they don't like it because they think T.O.'s arrogant. Oh, T.O.'s not doing interviews or he's late for interviews. Like, man... I ain't got time for it. Well, that I will say, you do have a media person in me that absolutely adored talking to you. You were great. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. Love that I got to come to Chapel Hill and talk to you. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Chapel Chapel Thrill, Thrill, actually. Love that I came to Chapel Thrill to speak to you. So thanks so much. Oh, no problem at all. (laughs) There you have it. Rashid Wallace, my absolute favorite part of that interview is when he said, will it hurt more if you get poked or if you get punched? I love that. Just like when referring to the power of every person working together, what is going to hurt more? What is going to make the bigger impact? How are you going to bring down your opponent getting poked or getting punched? I just love that. Nice little gym there. Um, and please, please, please continue to talk about Flint. Continue to stand up for Flint. The conversation dies if we let it die. So keep going. Uh, sending so much appreciation to Sheed for joining the pod. Thank you for listening. Like, subscribe, and leave a review. I'm Taylor Rooks. Until the next time.